0: Hey guys, quick editor's note, I just realised as I'm sitting here editing the interview I did with Leslie Mears, um, it didn't record the intro, um, which sucks, so I'm going to play the Skype call, which doesn't have the best audio quality, uh, but it's better than nothing. So the rest of the interview will have my mic quality, which is good, uh, but the intro... Uh won't be. So thank you guys for understanding and I hope you enjoy the episode. On today's bonus episode, Leslie Mears and I talk all things monster jam. So strap yourselves in.
1: And mash that loud paddle.
0: <laughs> and get ready.
1: It's time to jam. The Destruction by gravedigger!
0: Again, that awesome intro theme is by Randy Loder, but hello and welcome back to the Monster Jam weekly podcast. My name is Jackson, also known as Monster Jam Historian. You can follow me on Instagram at Monster Jam Historian and Monster Jam Historian on YouTube. I am also joined by the pit reporter for Monster Jam on NBCSN, Leslie Mears. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: It's very exciting to be here. I'm excited to see what's in store for us today. So I've just got a couple of questions.
0: My first question for you is what got you interested in monster jam?
1: So it's a, it's a funny story. My background is actually in truck and tractor pulling. And that really kind of dates back to the origins of monster trucks, because um, if people know the history of monster jam, they know that the monster trucks were kind of a sideshow an intermission act, if you will, for truck and tractor pulling. Um, And then, As the lifted trucks became illegal on the roads in the United States, um, then they started having their own venues and competitions for them. Um, And so I started in truck and tractor pulling and um, I just really loved hosting and announcing and the mechanics was really amazing. And my husband actually worked as a tech official and a safety inspector for Monster Jam. And he happened to be at safety summits and they said, hey, we're really looking for um, some more hosts and announcers, and he says, "Hey, my wife um, broadcasts for um, truck and tractor pulling our truck and tractor pulling series." And at that time, we were on ESPN too. So I sent them some DVDs. But the little-known fact, and little known to me um, until a couple years ago, when Scott Douglas told me this—you know, the the legendary voice of Monster Jam—where we recorded our voiceovers for the tractor pulling series. Monster Jam also recorded their TV voiceovers, and so he said he was in there one day waiting to get into the sound booth, and heard me calling tractor pulls. Oh and God. hey, we need to get this girl on our team. And it's so awesome because I I didn't know it. I've worked with Scott since 2010, and I had no idea. Uh, until a couple years ago, that that's part of my Monster Jam story. So um, I think that Monster Jam kind of found me. Um, I don't know that I found Monster Jam, but it's it's exciting, it's thrilling, it's fantastic. I love being in the back and seeing those guys thrash and, you know, churn out an engine swap in a, a matter of, you know, 60, 70 minutes. It's just all so awesome to me, especially the mechanical side
0: that that's so cool i know you kind of just went into depth uh just then but how long have you been involved with monster jam
1: so i actually started in with monster jam in 2008 um and at that time i was just an arena host and so if you went to kansas city or if you went to um you know some of the other places pittsburgh was one of my favorite venues they have awesome sound um in that building. If you went there, you would see me and I would just be the one out on the floor telling you what was happening. And then in 2010, um, things really started to change and they added me as a second host on their stadium tours. Cause before you would see guys like Scott Douglas and Greg Whitaker, and they would be the only one in a stadium doing the pit party and the show. And it was a long grueling day for those guys. And so they added me as a second and then that role kind of evolved from just being a pit party announcer to then being, you know, the pit reporter where I got to tell the stories in the back. And so that was a really cool evolution for me to be able to tell those stories that no one on the floor can see in the stadium and kind of give them a piece of the action from behind the scenes.
0: That's that's pretty cool. So, what is your favorite Monster Jam moment of all time? Oh. Um,
1: we were actually talking about this just a couple weeks ago. Um because I got to be there when Scott Douglas was announced that he was going to be the second inductee into the Monster Jam Hall of Fame. And that that may be my most special monster jam moment just because well it's it's i think it's number 2 um i just because of my history with scott he's a great mentor for me um he is supportive of everyone in monster jam and he really deserves that number 1 is probably going to be a moment in las vegas that only the fans who were at monster jam world finals got to see and leo donnell was in a race, I think he was still an Ironman at the time with Tom Mentz. It was the semifinal round of racing. Leaves the line, has a spectacular pass, but Tom in the right lane gets shut off somehow. And so they have to come back and rerun the race right away. And so Lee's brakes are hot. The truck is hot. He ends up losing by a split second. And as he gets out of the truck, I follow him with the camera. And so I'm following him. And my producer um, is in my ear, and he's saying, "Do you think you can ask him a question?" I'm like, "I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm him or not. Um, do you think he'll answer you?" I said, "Yes, I know he will answer me because Lee and I have a really great rapport, and um, we have a really great understanding about. And he knows I'm there to make him look good and to tell his story. And so I would start asking him questions, and it's super controversial because nobody knows if he's gonna blow up and if he's gonna cuss me out or." If Going to really give the answers. And he did. He talked about how it was controversial and how somebody in the tech side things needed to fess up and say that they hit the switch and how the officials were wrong to rerun the race right away. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to get an interview out of somebody with that much passion and resolve as I did for him. Now, a couple other close ones this week or two weeks ago in Tampa. Matt Pagliarulo in Jester takes home the freestyle victory and the overall event championship.
0: Which was the first in his career as well, wasn't it?
1: From super fan to superstar. And then um, another close one up there in the top five would be interviewing Bavari Musauer's mom in the stands at Monster Jam World Finals when he won the first um, Young Gun Shootout, Double Down Showdown, whatever you want to call it. Um, in Las Vegas, and he was crowned that first champion, and she's crying and telling the story about how he was a kid in RC trucks, and she gets to be here to see him live out his dream. Those are some four of the of the top five for me.
0: Those are some pretty damn good moments, actually. The one with um, the, uh, the Leo Donald and Tom Mance one, that's a really interesting story, because um, obviously I wasn't there, but I remember watching it on DVD, and I was like, man, like, that like that was really controversial and you giving that giving that behind the scenes story just really kind of you know opens my mind up a bit like but yeah as I as I said those are some fantastic moments um what do you personally look forward to um at each monster jam event that you are at
1: for me it's all about seeing the people and and figuring out, you know, what interesting things that they've been doing at their events prior to, and how we can incorporate that into the show. It's interesting. Somebody asked me the other day if it ever gets old. And I'm like, no. I'm like, also, how can Monster Jam ever get old, right? (laughs) It can never get old. So I was like, you have to understand that the show is different week in, week out. And I still get excited and on the edge of my seat and I'm still cheering during freestyle like like everybody else is because those are usually new unique things I love seeing what people are people are going to do during the skills challenge now Mm -hmm. because it's kind of opened the door now that it's not just two-wheel skill so you've got people doing combo moves and stuff like that but yeah donuts and and multi moves like Tyler meninga 's move if you 've seen it on the internet now, is um, it 's kind of like the moonwalk to onion I call it where he 's on the sidewalls around and then he breaks and he brings it back to another moonwalk and drives away <laughs> is oh, It is crazy, and so just to see those kind of things, or um, another favorite was seen if Adam Anderson. Could pull off the pirouette in Nashville this summer after this, this past summer after he had tried it in Kansas City and it just didn't quite work. That was phenomenal. So I guess I'm just like everybody else um, to answer your question in the long form. Of course, um, I look forward to I look forward to freestyle. I look forward to two wheel skills to see what these guys are going to bring to the table, what they've dreamt up.
0: I, I totally agree with you there. I mean I'm not even I'm halfway across the world watching stuff that people put highlights up on Instagram and right? I still get the jitters. I, I absolutely cannot believe like some of the things that drivers are pulling off. Um I kind of do address how some drivers are pushing the envelope a bit later. In your opinion, what is the best part about Monster Jam?
1: Monster Jam is one of the only places, other than um, NHRA in the United States, um, but I think in the world, where you get to have your own special time and your own special moment with the drivers. So you could meet them in the pit party, you could meet them in the post show meet and greet session, but you get to talk to them, ask them questions, get their autographs, and have that kind of interaction. And you just don't, you just don't see that in many sports so I think that makes it very unique I think the other really cool thing about Monster Jam is it's so evergreen right like you we were talking about Monster Jam World Finals you've got that on deep but you could watch it today and it could seem like it just happened yesterday yeah and so it's got that timeless quality to it and I and what's not to love about something that you know you can watch over and over again and it doesn't get old
0: yeah I mean, I go back. I go back like every weekend. When like even when I'm supposed to be doing like work and stuff, I just go and watch like all the latest clips, or all the NBC SN episodes, all even the ones on DVD, even the old ones. I still get jitters watching stuff like uh, Adam Anderson win his first freestyle championship, or uh, even Leo Donald do the front flip, or just anything um, like that. As you said. Could you explain the importance of the crew chiefs who spend hours, days, and weeks making sure our favorite Monster Jam trucks are always 100%?
1: It's, it's so critical. And it's, it's even like down to the, the little things, right? So we've, we've all seen this on the internet somewhere where the truck leaves, the pit stalls, and you see this big splash of fuel. Um, out of the fuel tank, and they've forgotten to put the gas cap on. I mean, it's just little things like that that make a difference all the way up to swapping out engines, um, swapping out transmissions in the middle of the show in 20 minutes. If it weren't for those guys that are pretty much master mechanics, um, yeah. the show happen. And what's really cool for me is that if you've got a driver that's got a good crew chief, like, for example, I'll take... Lindsay Wink, and I'll kind of pick on him for a second, and Lucas Oil. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a really good uh, crew chief and Mike Christensen a long time ago. Mike left, he got some new kid, didn't last very long. Then he got Jason Purrington, and that's when he won the championship, um, the stadium championship series championship. And then he kind of had somebody else, and now he's got a new guy. And so I think that a lot of driver success actually depends upon how good – your crew chief is and if you don't have a good crew chief and he's not you know tightening things down and he's not communicating to you how the truck is running you're not gonna win and that's all there is to it
0: but even like the teamwork side of things like other motorsports like say take formula one for example you know the the um the crews that work on um someone like Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, you know, they have their Renault crew chiefs working on that car. And then uh, for someone like in Mercedes, like Lewis Hamilton, you know, the Mercedes crew chiefs don't go over to the Renault crew chiefs to help them out. Whereas you might have... Uh, If Max, or let's take the All-Star, for example, how Lindsay Reed had that, she needed the motor swap, and you had crew guys from Grave Digger, or Max D, or just all of them trying to help to make sure that Lindsay Reed could come out in freestyle on Hammer Down, and they did get it working, and she came out and delivered a fantastic freestyle, so, um, yeah, you really illustrated that, that very well, um, what is the best part about reporting about all the amazing things like we've discussed that happen behind the scenes?
1: The best is that I get to share it with people. Um, It sounds a little trite and it sounds a little corny, but I want people at Monster Jam to have as much fun as I am having. And I'm having a really good time back there. And some of the, if you talk to some of the drivers, they'll tell you maybe too much fun because I'm always dancing and goofing around and, you know, asking them what's, you know, what's going on, or we're talking about what we had for lunch. But when, when it's time to be serious, I'm serious. But, you know, Monster Jam is fun. And if I can share that fun with people, then I've done my job. If I can tell a good story, because um, that's what it's really all about. It's about letting fans see a side of drivers and crew chiefs that they may not see just from the winter interview or from the celebration on top of the truck. It's asking the personal, you know, questions. You know, I, I was so moved this year at world finals when Jimmy Creighton started to cry. That was my Barbara Walters moments. You know, if you're you know, in the United States, Barbara Walters used to make everybody cry. Um, and so, you know, Jimmy Creighton is crying because he's finally won it. And I get to ask him, you know, that question, you know, is is your story complete now? Do you feel like you're a complete driver that you've got a freestyle and a racing you know, world championship. So to, to give them insight into drivers lives that they wouldn't see, that's, that's the best part for me.
0: So we did kind of, I said that, uh, I was gonna, um, that I had a question that touched upon what you said earlier. So my question is, how do you feel about these driver athletes who are constantly pushing the envelope in terms of like what was once thought impossible to be possible?
1: Oh, I say bring it on. Um, The technology has come a long way in the truck. It used to be monster trucks were super duper heavy and they were really solid and durable, but you couldn't do a lot with them. So then they started to lean them out. So you went from a truck that was maybe like, let's say, I don't know, in the very beginning, probably 12 to 15,000 pounds. And we're talking about old school leaf spring chassis and things like that, that, you know, didn't work very well for jumps. Fine for racing over cars, but not good for big jumps. Then they started leaning it down to where it was about 10,000 pounds. Well, then comes the emergence in 2010 of Cam McQueen and the backflip in nitro. And so then from that point in the last 10 years, we've seen another change where it's more about beefing up the truck and making it more sturdy. So Monster Jam trucks now are probably closer to 12,000 pounds and that gives them the stability and the rigidity to do the amazing things that they're going to do, stay safe and then continue on in their run. So I think it's awesome. I think that the t- technology matched with the ingenuity is there and where it needs to be to keep everybody safe. Cause you know, that's really number one. Yeah. So I think the sky's the limit for the guys because now they've got machines that can handle it.
0: But you even have, like, drivers that are now starting to do, like, moonwalks and stuff. Like, back in 2010, drivers, like, might get it up, up on uh, two wheels, and then they might hold it there for, like, a second or two seconds, and then they set it back down. Now you have drivers that put it up on two wheels, and they walk it backwards, and they keep it there for, like, you know, um, l- longer than what it used to be. So they're, you know, drivers like Tristan England and... Uh, Tom, even Tom Mentz, someone who has always been an innovator in the sport. And now he's even teaching some of these new athletes, all these new skills that he's he's learnt from both, you know, experimenting and um, uh, trying out himself. Second to last question, could you give any advice to the Monster Jam fans who want to pursue their dreams of being involved in Monster Jam?
1: I think the biggest part is to do your homework. I always tell new hosts the same thing. do your homework, get to know the drivers, get to know the field. Um, and don't be afraid to get dirty a little bit. Um, in the beginning, when I was working and I was doing you know truck and tractor poles way back when, you know I would pick up a gig anywhere that I could so that I could get experience and I could get on the mic. So you know I encourage people, if you want to be a crew chief, then you've got to find somebody to crew for. And it doesn't matter if you're crewing for your buddy's demo derby car, you know, down the road or the school bus figure eight or a monster jam truck, or if you're going to the local speedway, getting that knowledge is gonna work for you. And it's gonna be a little feather in your cap that you can take out and show to everybody and say, hey, look, you know, I'm not just a fan that wants to be involved. I have this experience um, to go into it. It's the same way with being a host. Um, you know the way technology is today, it's amazing. You know, like for example, we're we're on this podcast today, and that's great experience. Asking people questions, getting to know people, doing—you've obviously done a lot of research on me. Um, it's all it's all about that. And if it's driving, it's doing the little things. I mean, Barry Hour came from the ranks of RC cars. Yeah, and you can—it's anything is possible. But I think you just have to be willing to put in the time and the effort and get a little dirty, you know, if you want to find yourself in that position. Some of it's luck for sure, but a lot of it is hard work and ingenuity.
0: And my final question for you, Leslie is in your opinion, how do you think Monster Jam will change and evolve in the future?
1: Man, you're putting me on the spot here. (laughs)
0: That's what Scott Jordan said.
1: And the changes and the evolution, we've seen um, an evolution for sure from, you know, it being, you know, a good old boys sport to actually having a lot of legitimacy and being a legitimate sport. I think that's amazing for it. Um, With the triple threat series, we see that, too. Although I think that we're going to maybe see a swing back towards maybe some of the retro things that we saw in monster jam at least i'm kind of hoping that we'll see maybe i don't know like a car or a bus or something like that because just for good time good old time's sake i want to see that there's nothing like a monster jam truck you know skying over a bus or crushing a car in my opinion
0: all smashing through a camper van and all the other stuff that they used to have out
1: the absolute best. You're so right. You know, so you see that the camper van, and it just shreds through like the time Tom Mentz drove through his house. Like that was an amazing video, too. Um, so I'm hoping we see some of that old school and we see that mix of old and new. But I mean, again, the sky is the limit. There's, there's no telling where it could go. And the fact that, you know, myself, you know, I never thought that a farm girl from Southeastern Ohio would get to go to four continents to cover monster jam. And, and that's what I've done in the last couple of years. And I mean, that's just truly amazing. So I don't think we can really set limits or even predict what can happen in a sport as versatile as monster jam.
0: So, thank you everyone so much for tuning in. Remember, if you want to follow my social media, it's at Monster Jammerstone on Instagram and Monster Stone on YouTube. You can also follow the official Monster Jam Weekly Podcast page at Monster Jam Weekly underscore podcast on Instagram and Monster Jam Weekly Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Before we end off today's episode, Leslie, would you like to shout anything out, plug anything before we go?
1: No, I'm good. I'm just excited to share my stories with Monster Jam with people and, and tell encourage people to get out there and to create their own Monster Jam moments.
0: Well, thank you so much, Leslie, for coming on today. And thank you, the listeners, for always tuning in and listening and uh, supporting me. Have a great week. Bye, guys.